Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Families Matter Workshop. Last week, we were talking about communication beliefs, and the previous week before that, we kind of introduced communication. And this week, we're going to be talking about communication patterns. Yeah, and so like the beliefs are where you kind of have a mindset or a defense mechanism or a stance that you're going to operate from in your family dynamics. So like I'm right, or um, I can't make mistakes, or I have to make everybody happy, whereas common negative patterns or things that we actually show up. Like what does it look like? Like the actions the behind actions, the beliefs. Kind of the actions behind beliefs. And so just to refresh, what were our four beliefs we had? Being an appeaser. Right. That means like a people pleaser. We had a blamer. A blamer who, you know, I have to be right. You have to be wrong. I have to win the argument. We have super logical. Which is a person who kind of uses logic and avoids emotions. And then scattered. Scattered is a person who is just kind of all over the place. And goes around the discussion rather than addressing the issue. Right. Okay. So this week uh, we are going to be talking about the actions behind that. So the common negative patterns that we see. Let's start with the one we're all the most familiar with, which I just did to you, which is. Interrupting. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. So interrupting happens all the time. And I would think that, you know, just in a day-to-day conversations, you kind of know if you're an interrupter or not. Right. And I mean, I think all of us are kind of looking for the cue, like my turn, not my turn, my turn, not my turn. This nonverbal communication that says I'm ready to hear from you. Right. And I think a lot of times an interrupter comes from a place of being a poor listener. Right. Or if we were going to go back to like their position or their belief, they're probably more like a blamer or super logical. Like I I have to be right. I need to win the argument. And I need to get this point across. And I think one of the things we have to really ask ourselves as we're going into family dynamics, and if you're, if you're following this podcast at all is, you know, how much do you value listening and how much do I value listening? How much do you value listening? Because I've been on a journey with that personally. Well, it's so frustrating to have these conversations with someone who's a bad listener because you feel like your words don't matter. If you're having a conversation with someone who's a bad listener, it's almost like they never get the point because right. or like all they're they, worried about is what their next statement is. Right. And I mean, I've been with people like for a weekend where I just keep thinking like, will you just ask me like one question? Will you just let me have like one turn? You have any curiosity about what I might say? Right. And like, it never happens. Like never. I think a lot of people also try to relate that way. Like if you're telling a story, they'll be like, oh, well, yeah. And this happened with one of my friends or, uh, you know what I mean? Like there's those people that they want the conversation always to go back to them. Right. And maybe they feel like, oh, I'm being able to relate that way. Right. I mean, we're always looking. And I mean, isn't that about connection? I mean, we're talking about connection. We're looking to say, where do we have common ground? Where do we have similar stories? But when you interrupt someone to kind of one up them. Right. I know that we had a kid growing up that we would, we called this kid seen it, heard it, done it. 
<laughs> because no matter what, if I want a thousand dollars, you want a thousand and one dollars, right? You know, probably a lot of his stories weren't even true, but there was just that feeling like to want to top somebody. And as I'm trying and wanting to be a, a better listener, I'm actually aware of that in myself where I might have a funny story that's even bigger than their story, but to love the person enough that I don't have to tell that story. I can right. just validate and listen and enjoy you know, listening to the other person. And that allows the other person to feel recognized and understood is when you just let them have their peace and you don't try to interrupt and one up or relate just listening and saying, Oh yeah, I mean, I understand that. Or, you know, if they're telling a story, be like, yeah, that really sucks. You know? Well, how do you like, just, I've never asked you this, but as a daughter and me being a mother, do you see any changes in me in the way that I listen to you? I think recently you have not tried to fix problems when I come to you with problems. It's more like, wow, that, you know, that's really hard that you're going through that rather than offering advice that might be unsolicited. I think that you've become really aware that when I come to you with problems, especially like mothering problems, all I really want is someone to listen to me and sympathize with me rather than trying to fix me and give me like your two cents. And I think that you've recognize that sometimes all I need is a good listener. And so I think that you've really grown in that. Well, and I think you have articulated, like, I'm not asking you to fix it. I just, it's just hard. And, um, you know, that mother in me has always wanted to like smooth the waters and just having that mindset change that like life is a struggle when there's good in struggle. Especially now that you have grown adult children is that they're going to go through their own struggles that you have no control over. And so even asking them, would you like my advice or do you just want me to listen? Right. And I, th- I think that I've kind of been making that transition more to a cheerleader on the sidelines versus the answer person in your life. But I, and that also helps improve your relationship with God is because you step back from that fix it role and you allow God to step in for us as the fix it role. Right. I trust him more, but I, I am more aware of wanting to hear your perspective. Uh, wanting to just observe and go, you know, there's a lot of different rights in the world. You know, like we tend as Christians, like there's one right way, but like how a person decorates their house, how they decide what what method to feed their children, you know, their nap time routine. Right. Um, As far as there's a lot of different choices, their style, like I shouldn't have opinions about stuff and just kind of like saying, I'm more interested in who God created you to be than versus my fantasy right. of, of how I thought you would turn out. So, you know, you've really improved not interrupting by becoming a better listener. What is a tool that you've used? Like once you recognize, oh yeah, I am interrupting a lot. What's something that you've done to help stop yourself from interrupting during those hard conversations? I want to say two things. I I am going to give the tool here in a second. The thing I want to point out is that I I started to look at interrupting and the awareness of it as, as going, oh, this means that what you're saying, this conversation we're having is important to me because I feel passionate about it enough that I'm trying to chime in for my two cents worth, or I'm wanting maybe to win a conversation, or I, I feel like I'm right and I need to persuade somebody. So I'm, I'm starting to just use that. Like I'm wanting to interrupt. I'm biting my tongue. Like it gives me insight into this is, this is a bigger deal than just a normal conversation. So okay. that's one piece of information. And the tool that I came up with is that um, is I call it crossing my fingers. 
And what I do is when, as soon as I get the thought like, oh, I want to say this, I'd like to add this to the story, or I have a point I want to add, I have that thought and I cross my fingers and I link it in my mind, like come back to that crossed finger thought. So you're physically crossing your fingers during the conversation. Yes. And there's something about that with a thought that allows me to kind of go, now it's being saved, like right. it's being saved on my cross finger, that thought is going to be attached there. And I'm going to go ahead and pay 100% attention back to the person that I'm listening to. And I think people that interrupt often feel like, oh, I'm going to forget this really good thing that I was going to say. Right. And so the physical act of crossing your fingers, it links a, a physical act to a thought, which helps you remember. And studies have shown about brain chemistry and your memory bank and all of that, about how actions, physical kinesthetic actions, when you're doing them, like if you're studying and you remember a different movement, and I used to use this in my classroom all right, the time, right? but we would link movements to different sayings and that would right. help the children right. remember. Right. When I taught primary grades, like kids that were learning to read, I taught them short vowels by going like apple, apple, ah, 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 and they would do a motion. And then here they're taking their standardized test and I see all these little hand motions like umbrella, umbrella, right. and they're doing it over their head because they're bringing that up to their memory. Right. And, and, and during the standardized tests, you know, right. and so this does actually work. This having a thought, linking it to your crossed finger works. So don't, don't worry about forgetting that thought because you will remember yes. it. And so it allows you now, I have the thought, we're going to continue the conversation. I'm going to get to say this important part that I want to say. And now you can tune back into listening. To actually listening and listening all the way through, giving the eye contact, giving the feedback. So, oh, this is what you said. And then I said, you know, when you were saying this, even if they go on for five minutes, you know, back when you said this, I had this thought mm -hmm. and then I can uncross my fingers and say, the thought that I had. And so it's a really good tool is crossing your fingers. And I think another communication pattern that blamers tend to have besides interrupting is the don't talk rule, which is something that you came up with where talking about the problem is not the problem. It's like almost like a deflection. Right. And, and I mean, this is something that I learned this don't talk rule when I was doing my Christian identity workshop. And so this is something that's like a test for dysfunction. The more that people get shut down, and they're not allowed to talk about hard things. So that saying shoot the messenger, right? That's where it comes from. Yeah. And I think that you really saw this a lot with my brother and I growing up when we would fight and we would have you be the mediator. It would be immediately change the subject back to, well, Jeffrey did this last week. Right. And, you know, he didn't get in trouble. And you would say to us, well, we're not discussing what Jeffrey did last week. That's not the problem right. here. The problem is this is what you did right now. Right. And I mean, like the show cheaters, you can see this or anytime that a woman catches her husband cheating, and she's looked at his texts, and that's how she found him. The conversation always gets shifted to you checked my phone, right? You invaded my privacy. Yeah. How you don't trust me. How could you? How could you like, so you know, to, to be able to say to your husband, so you're saying the problem isn't that you have all this lovey sexting with this stranger, right? The problem is I looked at your cell phone. That's what you want to shift. So let's go with what's on the cell phone. Right. And this is the tool. Let's focus on this problem. And then we'll come back and talk about me looking at your cell phone as a separate issue. Right. So it's not like you're saying you're not going to talk about it, but it's saying, let's just focus on. And I like that, that we're going to talk about this as a separate issue. So your partner knows that it will be addressed, but that the two are not related right now. And I think like, think about it with underage drinking, like the teenagers would say, 
well, you know, I went to this party and all of these other 18 year olds were drinking. So I drank. Right. And so the problem isn't I didn't follow the family rules and I drank the law and I broke the law. The problem is, is that everybody else does it and you guys just are out of touch. Right. So the don't talk rule always happens if there is real abuse going on, you know, where you're like, you don't, what happens in the family stays in the family. You don't talk about things outside of the family. You know, I know as a way to like cover up to cover up. Like I remember my dad as a little girl having his car parked out in front of his girlfriend's house at nighttime, but I didn't know this was my dad's girlfriend. I just thought it was a family friend. So going to a neighbor and the neighbor says, Oh, I see your dad's car is parked at, at so-and-so's house and me going, yeah, he's helping her with um, her custody battle. So I tell my dad, yeah, I told the neighbor that you were that helping with the custody battle. And then all of a sudden, what you talked about, what's what happens in our house stays in our house. You don't talk about my car. You don't talk about where it's parked. You don't talk about anything that's going on with the neighbors. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, like your innocence as a child, right? is just like did that raise a red flag to you like oh there must be something else going on or did you just internalize that as okay well our business is our business i guess like i didn't I, know i was doing anything. i was pretty innocent i kind of just thought it was you know as a kid you can't logically go like oh dad's fooling around and that's what's happening right no i didn't at all i was right. like i'm bad i talked about something that was outside the family you know i didn't know it was bad but it's bad and you know? did that change how you talk about things. Yeah. It really brought like a layer of shame yeah. um, and uh, over, over me. Yeah, for sure. So let's say that as a child, you had the power and the knowledge of this tool. What would you have said to your dad? I would say, so dad, it seems like you're saying to me that the problem isn't that your car's parked out overnight in front of this lady's house and that you're fooling around on mom, but that's not the problem. The problem is that I answered the lady's question as to what you told me was going on in helping this lady. Right. And, you know, when you hear it like that, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Like, okay, yeah, no, the problem is you're fooling around and that's the issue, not me talking to the neighbor. Do you think that restating it like that now as an adult helps you deal with the shame? Yeah. A little bit like it's a way of healing that. Yeah, I think that that's really powerful because, you know, when you know the truth and you say the truth, you know, you're set free. And right. so even in this, this whole thing that we're teaching, you know, truth isn't just like Jesus died on the cross for us. The truth is what's really happening. And when we tell God the truth and we speak the truth, it's like our heart kind of jumps like in joy a little bit like, oh, yeah. yeah, I wasn't a bad, shameful kid. My dad was unfaithful to my mom and, right. and wanting me to be quiet about it to hide his sin. Yeah. And his shame and his shame. Yeah. So we've talked about the communication patterns of blamers, uh, the interrupting and the don't talk rule. And I tend to be a blamer, but I find that one of my main communication patterns is speaking in code, which is something that usually an, an appeaser. Right. I was going to say that's a big one for me as an appeaser, because as an appeaser, I, it's really hard for me to own my want. My want is just like, I want peace. And so as an appeaser, just to say like, what restaurant you want to go to, like, we're, you know, I might say, um, Oh, it's been a long time since we've gone on a date. Yeah. And what you really mean is, Hey, I, I want to go on a date with you this week, but men hate to say it. Don't pick up on the hints. 
No, men are very logical, very direct. Just tell me what you need, want and need. I want to please you. I want to make you happy. That's why I married you. Right. Stop dropping hints and, and just, just tell, tell me, me what, what you, you want. Need, and don't make me guess. Right. And, you know, like dad has said to me, you know, I'm a simple guy. Yeah. Like if, if things can be taken two ways and one of them hurts your feelings and one of them doesn't, believe me, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings right. kind of thing. But like the way this whole code thing, just as an appeaser is, first of all, you drop the hint, you want to go on a date, he picks up on it, or you're going to finally go on the date. And then where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Oh, my gosh. Uh, that I feel like is the biggest conflict in my house. I'm so tired of that. Oh, I want to go out tonight. Okay, great. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? What do you want for dinner? I don't know. Like, if you could just tell me what you want. Right. And aren't we so blessed, first of all, that we get to not just eat because we're hungry and this is what the only thing you have, like beans is what we're having, right. you know, but right. And I think that oftentimes that whole, like, I don't know, what do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Boils down to, I don't care. I'm just tired of making decisions. Can you please pick something? Or just to say, you know what? You said you don't care. So I'm just going to pick something. But then a lot of times, see with an appeaser, your dad might say, okay, fine. We're going to go for steak. Oh, we had red meat last night. You know, <laughs> and so begin the process to say, you know, what do I really want? And can I say what I want and compromise, you know, like there is that negotiation, but that's the uh, speaking in code from an appeaser side. What do you think from a blamer side? Like, why do you think a blamer speaks in code? Well, I don't know if it's from the viewpoint of a blamer so much as a fear of not getting my needs or wants met. And so I don't want to voice them for fear of my husband not living up to that. Well, I mean, I we're going to be frank here, but like, even as far as lovemaking, like to say like, Hey, it's been a while. You feel so vulnerable to say like, I need this or I want this. Right. And you know, what if they reject me? Um, you know, I need to be hugged. Um, I just need to be cuddled. And then there's also this part of it where you want your partner to know your needs and your wants without you having to say it. Right. Like, I want you just to do like, buy me flowers and take me on a date and have a romantic night with me. Right. But I want you to spontaneously come up with that idea. Right. And I mean, and what, and what happens to the poor guy that you told him to, and the very next day he comes and he brings you flowers and he takes you out to dinner and he tells you that you're beautiful and he loves you. You're going to be like, you just did that because I told you to. Exactly. And the poor guy, like he, he's in a He's like, little... absolutely. That's exactly why I did that. Because you said you wanted that. Right. And so there is this part where we want like this spontaneous romance. We want to be wooed. We want him to say like, you're beautiful. But we speak, speak in code, you know, like, look at my new outfit. And right. what that really means is you are the most gorgeous thing in the world. You so know? something that I did with my husband is because as a stay at home mom and a new mom, I went from having a career where I had a lot of positive reinforcement and positive feedback about my job, and that filled up my love tank pretty quickly, and I realized that words of affirmation is my love language, and so my husband, very much words of affirmation is not his love language. He grew up in a home where words were used to cut down people and hurt people, so he doesn't even really know how to use words in, as a way to affirm someone, and so that's something that we've always, you know, kind of struggled with in our relationship because that's how I feel loved the most. I mean, everybody has a little bit of right, all love right. languages, but that's how I feel loved the most. And that's something that he's working on. And so I told him, I said, I don't care if you have to set an alarm on your phone 
every day it goes off as a reminder to tell me something nice, whatever it is. And sure enough, every day his alarm goes off and I get a text, a phone call, or if I'm in the room with him, he'll be like, oh, babe, thank you for, you know, picking up all the toys last night so I didn't have to, or thank you for making my favorite meal. So that's one way where wow, that's I was thing. speaking in code, like, oh, I, you know, I really wish that you'd say something nice to me. I or, just don't feel appreciated, which right. means like, you know, I'm not getting my value from what I do anymore. Right. It's kind of drudgery. Right. And so having him recognize my role in our, in our relationship and in our family every day has really helped with that. And that's something that like I had to step out of the speaking in code and be vulnerable. Right. And tell him like, this is what I need. And you know, it feels now it feels like he's spontaneously doing it. Right. And I know that there's an alarm on the phone, but but he's still doing, I mean, he's a, he set the alarm. He wants to, right. I mean, just think of the intent on that. I want to set an alarm to tell my wife, I appreciate her every day. And the fact that it goes off at work and he's like, you know, in a meeting, his alarm goes off, turns off the alarm and sends me a quick text. You know, that's really cool that he takes the time and effort to meet my love language. And I think that there's just such a big picture here of, of the process that you went through in your relationship, the being willing to say, this is what I want and need, and this is how you can help meet it. And, you know, being brave enough to say it and him listening and hearing you. And him even recognizing this is something that I struggle with and here's why. And having that conversation, I mean, that was a really vulnerable conversation because he was like, you know, we didn't use words like this. Well, and think of him, you know, I didn't get it at all. That's vulnerable too. Right. And, and then for him to, to take accountability in the relationship and say, okay, she's telling me what she needs. She's telling me what she wants, even though it's uncomfortable for me to do this in order to make my marriage stronger, I'm going to do this. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he got a good one. Um, So speaking in code, the tool we said was speak directly and own your wants and needs. Yeah, owning your wants and needs. You know, I want Mexican food. I want to have you bring me flowers. I want more hugs. I want more sex. I want more affection. And the other thing I want to say is that we need to thank our family member when they meet the want and need. We need to recognize that this isn't like intuitive or natural or comfortable to them. You know, like from my husband, um, our big thing is I wanted him to listen to me without trying to fix anything. And this is not in his wheelhouse, you know, listening. He is Mr. Fix-It. And he's very logical and Mr. Fix-It. And so when I started to like tell him what I wanted and needed, I would say, can you just sit and listen to me? And, and, and I told him that means that you look at me and you don't look at your computer. You don't look at your phone. Like you look at me the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then I would at the, at the end of it, I go, thank you so much for listening to me. Yeah. I know that's not natural for you. Thank you. And I know that there might be people that are feminists, like, how dare you have to thank your husband? But, you know, we're training each other to, to, um, function and flow in a give and take relationship. Right. And we want to show appreciation when the person's making the effort that in when it's not their natural gifting. Right. And, you know, the counterpart to that is making sure that you are respecting your partner when they say their wants and needs too. Right. Because I think a lot of times little comments might just for me, like fly over my head. My husband, the other day, we had a whole weekend where we didn't have any plans. 
And I said late Wednesday night before the weekend started, hey, do you want to do anything this weekend? We don't really have any plans. Oh, yeah, I kind of want to go to Bucky's down in Macon and see what the hype is all about. It's like a big gas station. And I'm like, okay. And totally just flew over my head. I'm like, why? Why would anyone want to spend their weekend driving to a gas station? I don't get it. And the weekend came. And instead of doing that, we, I I don't know, went to the zoo, cleaned the house. Right. We did some other things, um, you know, visited some friends and Sunday night rolls around. He's in a bad mood. And I'm just like, why are you in such a bad mood? well, we didn't get to do anything that I wanted to do this week. And I said, what do you mean? Like, we went to the zoo together. We had a fun day. And he's like, yeah, but what did I say I wanted to do? And I realized I had not listened to him because I was sitting there like, I have no idea. What did you say you wanted to do? And he's like, see, you just don't listen. And I was like, honestly, babe, like, I'm sorry. I, I had, I didn't listen. I didn't listen. Like, what are you talking about? I wanted to go to Bucky's. And I was like, (laughs) oh, And so the next weekend, sure enough, we were going on a little road trip. And where did we stop? Bucky's. I made sure of it. Well, and you know, I think too is like how easy it is to just discount what somebody else wants just because it's not in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's not something that I want. It's funny because like my mom is always trying to tell my husband that not to do something because it's too much work. Like, don't get the oil change. That's too much work for you. Don't rake the yard. You might. The other day he had... What is it, LASIK surgery? Yeah, cataract surgery. Cataract surgery. And a couple of days after his surgery, he still has to wear those right. glasses. But she didn't want him to take the truck to the dump that had some like, mulch in it. Mulch in it because he might get a stick in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the point is, is like we tend to think that we know what other people want. Like, or their needs. Like I know somebody who got divorced and their, their husband had said for a long period of time that they wanted something to change and they just ignored it. And the husband really was saying like, I need some, I need this to change. Or we're gonna Were they a, specific? Like, I think so. I need more sex, let's say. Yeah. 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 They were very specific and they just kind of like didn't really take them seriously or yeah. whatnot. And so I, th- I do think that when, or if you're not a sexual person, you know, I, I don't really want to have sex with you three times a week, but you still have to negotiate it and right. talk about what, what are we going to do? I and mean, that's something that comes with, you know, relationships is that you have to respect your other, your partner's needs and wants. Right. And I, I mean, compromise. Like, no, like, you know, you could be married to a sex addict and wants it three times a day. You know, that's probably not reasonable, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, but there is that compromise. But I guess I want to say, like, if somebody says they want to go to Bucky's, then they actually do want to go to Bucky's, you know, especially I should have realized, especially my husband who says what he wants so infrequently. Right. I, it should have raised a red it flag for me. But, 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 or, you know, gosh, you guys have only been married a few years. But yeah. and one of the things too, like my husband and I, when we traveled, we ended up like not going anywhere because both of us are like, you, you want to go to the Guinness factory? I don't know. You want to go to it? And so we like not making that decision. Then we, we actually say, let's go to the Guinness factory. When we show up there, guess what? You have to have tickets to the Guinness factory, you right. know? And so we ended up not being able to go because nobody could make a decision that says, this is what we're going to do. Right. And so both of us mutually people pleaser maybe can, and speaking in code instead of just saying, making a decision, this is what I want to do. Let's put it on the list and do it. Right. And I think that whoever comes up with this app idea where you put in everything that you want to do and you spin it and then it chooses for you is going to make a million dollars. 
you should make that happen. <laughs> I'm sure something like that exists, but you put in the choices and says, okay, well, we're in Dublin. These are all the things that we can do. Except that for me, I know that it would land on something and be like, mm, I don't really want to well, do that. I was thinking, but that could help you know, own your desire. Because right. I think a lot of times we don't own our desire. I remember hearing that Bible verse that says, God wants to give you the desire of your heart and being like so heartbroken. Because the only desire I wanted was no fighting. And it's like, I know that God has a bigger purpose in my life than like a peaceful dinner. Yeah. But all I could articulate is like just everybody getting along. That's all I wanted. That was my desire. And it's like, um, and so like an app like that could actually be when you say, oh, Mexican food and you go, well, no, I really don't want Mexican. It's like you don't really know what you want until you're flipping a coin. And then you go like, I don't want that. Yeah. 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 So it, it could help identify it too. And I think it's just really powerful, um, especially as women who throughout history, our needs and wants have been downplayed and right. disregarded. And I think that just taking ownership of what you want and what you need and finding a partner that right. values that is such a, a beautiful thing. So this week we've talked about interrupting the don't talk rule and speaking in code which are all common negative patterns. Next week, we're going to get into a common negative pattern that is on the tip of everybody's tongue these days. Wasn't it like the word of the year last year from Webster's? Can you guys guess what it is? Drum roll, please. Da -da 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 -da. Gaslighting. We're going to talk about gaslighting next week and how all of the communication beliefs use gaslighting in different ways. And there's intentional gaslighting, unintentional gaslighting, and then... Our last tool that we'll discuss is stuffing and rage manipulation. Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening. <laughs>